This archived broadcast of Janet Mefford Today is brought to you by Affirm Films' Show Me the Father. The creators of War Room and Courageous, the Kendrick Brothers, explore fatherhood through five true stories. Show Me the Father, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested in theaters September 10th. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. A just-released poll shows that for the first time, a majority of Americans, 52%, favor sending our troops to Taiwan if it is invaded by China. This is from research conducted by the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. And according to the report, this is the highest level of support for the U.S. military's defense of Taiwan against China ever recorded in the council's surveys dating back to 1982. This data also comes as America, of course, is reeling over the humiliating and in infuriating Biden-created crisis in Afghanistan, which has led to the senseless abandonment and murder of Americans, including 13 U.S. troops through a terrorist attack and the murder of innocent Afghan citizens as well. Now, amid that crisis, my next guest asks in a new article, what happens to America's allies who depend on our backing, alliance, and the little guys? And now, what's going to happen? After the withdrawal from Afghanistan, can America be trusted to keep any of its promises? These are especially important questions as China rattles the saber in the direction of Taiwan. So we're going to get some thoughts on it now from Bob Fu, president of China Aid and senior fellow for international religious freedom at the Family Research Council. And Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Janet, for having me again. Well, it's great to have you here. What are your thoughts about the situation in Afghanistan and how that crisis relates to what's going on with China and Taiwan? Yes, uh, Janet, thank you for your concern on this question. I mean, it is uh, just uh, so intriguing uh, to see the Chinese Communist Party's mouthpiece started uh, pushing Taiwan by, uh, after the uh, just uh, such a, a failure of uh, uh, withdrawal, you know, in um, Afghanistan, uh, the Communist Party basically uh, declared, uh, you know, you, to Taiwan that uh, you better surrender, and the U.S. won't back you up at all. And uh, moreover, last week, a Chinese uh, military uh, um, news organization basically even threatened Japan uh, with uh, nuclear weapons hmm. uh, by declaring if Japan came to, you know, uh, dare to come to Taiwan's defense, Japan will be nuked. Yeah. Uh, so if um, what's happening in Afghanistan... Um, Prove anything uh, that is, uh, you know, we can't uh, leave the 23 million Taiwan, you know, full democracy uh, country uh, behind, um, like uh, Afghanistan, to let the Communist Party have have an upper hand. It's uh, both, uh, uh, you know, legally and morally imperative, you know, for the United States uh, to. Uh, put a full force and uh, unequivocally to tell the Communist Party uh, no uh, to any of these uh, threatening ideas. And so that's what I think uh, the, even the American people, as you just quoted, 57 uh, percent are backing 
this uh, our resolve to defend Taiwan militarily. Yes. So Taiwan is attacked. Yes. And it's interesting because there has been a lot of rhetoric from the Biden administration about the fact that we needed to get out of Afghanistan. No more foreign wars. We've been there 20 years and all of the bloodshed. And then, of course, it was so botched that it's just a, an embarrassment for the United States around the world. They've got our weaponry. They have our Black Hawk helicopters. It's just it's a humiliation for the United States. And what you're saying is that China is taking it advantage of that weakness that the Biden administration is projecting in order to say to Taiwan, it seems, uh, you, you guys might not have the help and the support of America the way you might have assumed, because look what they did to the Afghans. That's right. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party took full event- advantage of this uh, chaotic situation in Afghanistan as uh, the result of mismanagement by the Biden administration. I mean, look, right after the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State uh, visits uh, Tianjin, you know, the city next to Beijing, with the humiliation over there, and the same week, the Chinese top leaders met with the Taliban leader <laughs> in the same city. Basically, uh, they became buddies. And yeah. uh, then we uh, are seeing, um, basically, the, the Communist Party uh, telling Taiwan what to do. So, I mean, look, this is uh, not only just uh, a, a kind of a, a democratic value alliance with Taiwan uh, warrant us to defend, but also in the economic security. I mean, those uh, uh, the goals, the uh, trade, uh, the quantity, I mean, the amount of uh, uh, the, the, the kind of uh, quantity of goods um, going through the Taiwan uh, street uh, has amounted to uh, estimated about 40% of the world GDP over there. Wow. So it's, uh, you know, not only Americans, Australians, New Zealand, Japan, and uh, it's, it, it impacts the world economy. So, I mean, to protect Taiwan is to protect our national interest, is to protect our national and security. It is uh, certainly protect uh, the free world, uh, the international uh, security act, actually. If we allow the Chinese uh, government, the Communist Party, who unleashed this uh, virus, um, the coronavirus, to continue uh, to bully uh, Taiwan and Japan, our allies over there, and how much credit uh, credibility we will be left. Yes. Um, right. After Afghanistan. Oh, it's such a good point. And what you're saying about the the really the huge importance of the ability to go through the Taiwan Strait and how that affects the world's GDP. It was interesting, Bob, because I was reading that China had just lashed out because there were some U.S. warships and a Coast Guard cutter that sailed through the Taiwan Strait. And they called the U.S. the biggest threat to peace and stability. And they say that they consider Taiwan a renegade province, that they will eventually unify Taiwan with the mainland and will use force if necessary. So they're they're really ratcheting up the threats. What do you think is the reality on the ground? Do you really expect that China would go so far as to militarily invade Taiwan anytime soon? What, what is your sense of things? Well, um, my sense of uh, based on the uh, kind of uh, increasing threatening rhetoric and uh, even the military maneuver the weakness of this administration and lack of resolve uh, is uh, really materialized. And um, 
the Communist Party under this uh, uh, crazy, mad leadership of uh, President Xi Jinping, uh, with also the domestic crisis economically and politically uh, evolving in China, certainly, you know, he would not uh, hesitate uh, to at least uh, show some force uh, to contain maybe even uh, a limited uh, warfare uh, mm-hmm. against the Taiwan. Um, so that's why it's so critical, you know, important to see that uh, we better, uh, the, the free world, especially the United States of America, we're also bided, you know, by our domestic law in 1979, the Taiwan-U.S. Uh, Relations Act, to uh, put our word, you know, you know, uh, into action, you yeah. know, to match with our rhetoric, with the true uh, resolve, um, to uh, make a very uh, clear message to the communist regime that we will defend Taiwan, uh, whatever uh, it costs. So I think that will at least deter the communist party. Uh, when they um, think uh, they can do something militarily. I mean, the United States is the only power, uh, unfortunately, that uh, have the capability uh, and also mandate uh, to do this. I'm glad that, uh, you know, under the Trump administration, we build this uh, Indo-Pacific kind of uh, uh, military alliance now with uh, India, with Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and South Korea and uh, Taiwan. Yeah, but we, we don't know. Like you mentioned before, with the Biden administration, it's a different ball game. We're going to come back with Bob Fu here on Janet Meffer today. Stay with us. Ask yourself, what do you pay for health care? Are you single? Do you pay more than $199 a month? Are you a couple? Do you pay more than $299 a month? Do you have a family? Do you pay more than $399 a month? Yes, you can serve the entire family with health care for only $399 a month with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals. Sign up at any time of the year. Pick your own doctor and hospital. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mafford for Bible League International. Jaime is an itinerant pastor in Ecuador. In Latin America, there, there are violence. Pastors and Christian workers uh, face with attackers, thieves, gangs. So that's the, that's the problem. 
Jaime will travel days by foot, boat, and mule. He's been beaten by warlocks, robbed, and suffered broken bones after falling in the Andes Mountains. What awaits him at the end of each trip? A thriving congregation of hundreds of believers in an area where Christianity is fiercely opposed. When I share Jaime's story, I recall Isaiah 6, 8. Whom shall I send? Who will go? I believe this man is enduring more than some pastors ever will. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Jaime is humbly asking us to send God's word. For only $5, you can send a Bible to Latin America and around the world, and a special match will double your gift. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or there's a Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now, here's Janet. Well, it is very disconcerting to look at some of the world media commenting on the weakness that has come about in terms of a perspective of the world looking at the United States' performance or lack thereof in Afghanistan. The Global Times has said, for example, Taiwan will be tomorrow's Afghanistan after being abandoned by the U.S., and that's a really serious matter. What well, Bob Fu is with us from the Family Research Council. He's also president of China Aid and is weighing in on the importance of the U.S. support for Taiwan. Now, one of the things, Bob, that you've pointed out, you mentioned that the estimated annual goods transported through or flown over the Taiwan Strait constitute over 40 percent of the world's GDP. So that's a huge amount of, you know, uh, economic impact if Taiwan were to come under serious uh, attack by China. But you also point out that Taiwan is a democracy that shares our values. They protect human rights. They protect religious freedom. Can you tell Americans a little bit more about Taiwan? Because some of these research studies showed that Americans, they, they know China and they know China. Are, those are the bad guys in terms of, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, not the people, but the Chinese Communist Party, but don't know as much about Taiwan. What do you think Americans, and especially Christians, need to understand about Taiwan? Yes, uh, the Taiwan has uh, about 23 million uh, people over there. They're a very full, uh, mature uh, democracy, uh, real independent state. I mean, basically, with their own uh, flag, national anthem, with their own passport. I mean, unfortunately, under Jimmy Carter in 1979, the uh, for the real, just the conventional wisdom, uh, uh, the purely uh, geopolitical politics. Uh, so the U.S. terminated uh, the diplomatic relationship by resuming the uh, the diplomatic ties with the Chinese Communist Party's uh, uh, so-called People's Republic China government, Uh, that regime, I mean, of course, now turned to be a nightmare for not only to the United States, but the whole whole world. And uh, at the same time, you know, Taiwan enjoyed uh, all the the religious freedom, uh, human rights, and uh, the, the... this tab, you know, in Parliament, and uh, I, I, I witness. I mean, the the kind of a maturity of the checks and balance, the democracy. We have also a very good uh, two or three kind of uh, a different uh, party uh, in uh, in balance. Kind of uh, already took turns in governance with free elections. So um, if we abandon that uh, democracy, um, we are sending uh, a true wrong and a disaster signal to this uh, uh, Chinese Communist Party regime. 
uh, that uh, we only care about just uh, that little bit, uh, you know, Communist Party's concern, uh, this uh, word, so-called power politics. Yeah. And uh, we already held uh, two Taiwan International Religious Freedom Summit forum over there. Both the Taiwan president and vice president attended our summit. And uh, our ambassador, former ambassador at large, uh, appointed uh, by President Trump, uh, Ambassador Sam Brownback was there. And um, But, you know, from the rhetoric, uh, especially in the past few months, um, it's really very concerning. You know, on the one hand, after some public opinion pressure uh, to President Biden uh, in his uh, latest uh, ABC interview, he was saying, oh, you know, uh, we will protect Taiwan like a NATO chapter of uh, uh, three or, you know, that kind of uh, self-defense, uh, mutual defense system including Taiwan. The next day, the White House Department were, were busy to clarify uh, that there's only one China. There's only one China. Mm-hmm. Our the one China policy has not changed. We, that means that's the, the only recognized the uh, Communist Party's dominant, uh, I mean, man, we are still having this uh, policy of forbidding uh, the Taiwan leaders, the senior leaders, president, vice president, speaker of the parliament, uh, to even touch on the soil, the land of Washington, D.C. Yeah. So that's why yeah, in my uh, article at the National Interest, uh, uh, with Ariel, uh, my colleague at FRC, we propose, you know, that's to, to send a signal, a clear signal to the PRC that we won't vote be bullied by the communist uh, regime's tactic, uh, we should uh, invite the Taiwan president to come to D.C. to speak to the American people uh, to the joint section, joint session of U.S. Congress. Good, yeah. Uh, like we did in 1945. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's a wonderful idea. But, you know, for a lot of Americans who've been following what's been going on in the last few years through the presidential campaign, there is a lot that people are concerned about in terms of Joe Biden's compromise with the Chinese Communist Party, the involvement of his son, Hunter, in uh, procuring this and that from uh, Chinese communist leaders and so forth. I mean, to what degree do you think that is dictating that relationship with China is what is dictating Biden's outrageous? decisions here it is uh, so that's uh, I think the, the disastrous with global in Afghanistan unfortunately reinforce the weakness uh, to the Chinese Communist Party so they will you know take fully advantage uh, of that so we pray that uh, you know the Lord will uh, give us uh, dust and strength uh, so that we can uh, uh, absolutely in solidarity standing with uh, our Taiwanese friends. Yes. I mean, there, there are a lot of Christians in Taiwan are praying that too. Good. Well, and we need to pray for them as well. I, I, I noted when you were talking about the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979, you talk in your article about the fact that the U.S. should fully utilize it. What would be required in order to fully utilize it? What more needs to be done uh, regarding that particular act? Yes. Um, so basically, you know, that um, 
the uh, after the uh, the service, I mean, uh, servitude of the diplomatic ties with Taiwan in 1940, uh, I mean, 1979 by uh, President Jimmy Carter, and then uh, the Congress passed that uh, Taiwan Relations Act uh, in the domestic law. Basically, we are. Uh, um, we are mandated, uh, required uh, to provide the uh, defensive weapon for uh, protect the peace um, uh, uh, between the you know Taiwan Street, and uh, to provide uh, to basically make sure you know the Chinese uh, Communist Party's regime or is deterred uh, from any military uh, uh, invasion. Yeah. And uh, so that has been uh, still the uh, the current policy. And uh, but unfortunately, in the past the dec- uh, two decades or so, I mean, uh, there's several other kind of a different uh, diplomatic agreement uh, had been signed and weakened this uh, law uh, in the form of agreement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, by further enhancing the Communist Party's hands. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. When you're talking about Afghanistan, one of the fallouts, it would seem, from this debacle that's going on over there is that Americans, you know, millions of Americans are outraged and angry, rightly so, over what was done over there. But one has to wonder the extent to which maybe this plays into what the Biden administration wants, which is to help Americans lose their appetite for intervening in other countries' problems. Problems. I mean, that sounds a little conspiratorial, but do you think that might be part of the mindset that as China is threatening Japan and threatening Taiwan, they don't want to go over there, even if the American people want to help Taiwan? The Biden administration doesn't look like it wants to really help Taiwan. Are they using Afghanistan in any sense to try to, you know, really impact how we feel about helping Taiwan? Well, that could be a uh a kind of part of the uh, the strategy uh, to to send a wrong signal. I mean, I think uh, as much messy uh, as uh, happening uh, unfolding in Afghanistan, Taiwan is not Afghanistan. Taiwan right. is a democracy. Taiwan has no tribal wars between you know any. I mean, they they have uh, mature. Democracy, they have their own defense, very strong defense system. They're united. I mean, even with some political, you know, division, uh, like how much degree of, uh, you know, closer to Beijing or, you know, how further away uh, between these uh, different parties. But uh, the Taiwan consciousness is uh, a very, very strong uh, one. And, um, you know, as President Tsai uh, said, you know, the but Taiwan, um, these people are ready and willing and able to defend themselves. Of course, uh, they need our ally, uh, such as the United States, fully uh, full support and solidarity. Um, so, the, the is, uh, so if uh, China dare to invade Taiwan, and they cannot really uh, just uh, naively think uh, that would be Afghanistan, uh, the number, you know, the second Afghanistan. You're right. Um, so, yeah, they will meet, uh, uh, be met with the full uh, uh, resistance and, uh, and hardcore, I think, uh, 
you know, fight the, uh, the freedom-loving Taiwanese people. Well, that's a really good point, that you don't have the same sort of setup in Taiwan that you do in Afghanistan, where it's a tribal situation and it's, you know, full of terrorists. It's not the same situation in Taiwan. Plus, it's good, this research that's come out showing how strongly Americans feel about getting behind Taiwan in the event that China does attack. So you can read about it at nationalinterest.org. America failed Afghanistan. Now it must stand by Taiwan. Such an important thing to be saying today. Bob Fu with the Family Research Council. Thank you so much, Bob, for being with us and for your great work. God bless you and thanks for being here. Thank you, Dennis, for having me. God bless you, too. God bless you. This archived broadcast of Janet Mefford Today is brought to you by a firm film, Show Me the Father. The creators of War Room and Courageous, the Kendrick Brothers, explore fatherhood through five true stories. Show Me the Father, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested in theaters September 10th. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. This hour of Janet Mefford today is brought to you by a firm film, Show Me the Father from the Kendrick Brothers. The creators of War Room and Courageous explore fatherhood through five true stories. Show Me the Father rated PG. Parental guidance suggested in theaters September 10th. Well, at the risk of talking yet again about vaccines, I'm going to do it again because I have some great stuff to share with you today. First of all, I want to talk about this story that has come out. Senator Rand Paul, no less, put it out yesterday, and it's about new research on COVID immunity. And this is from the FEE website, this Foundation for Economic Education. And here's the headline. Harvard epidemiologist says the case for COVID vaccine passports was just demolished. Oops, they're not going to like this. They're going to have to ban him from the internet. Here's what it says. A newly published medical study found that infection from COVID-19 confers considerably longer lasting and stronger protection against the Delta variant of the virus than vaccines. The natural immune protection that develops after a SARS-CoV-2 infection offers considerably more of a shield against the Delta variant of the pandemic coronavirus than two doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, according to this large Israeli study that some scientists wish came with a don't try this at home label. That's what the Scientific American reported. They went on to say the newly released data show people who once had a SARS-CoV-2 infection were much less likely than vaccinated people to get Delta, develop symptoms from it, or become hospitalized with serious COVID-19. Put another way, vaccinated individuals were 27 times more likely, more likely to get a symptomatic COVID infection than those with natural immunity from COVID. And of course, Senator Paul is doing a happy dance saying, okay, all you people who were screaming at me about natural immunity, here you go. So this is very interesting because uh, this Martin Kaldorf put it out, the, the epidemiologist from Harvard, and he put this out on Twitter. Now, the findings come as many governments around the world are demanding citizens acquire vaccine passports in order to travel. We have some of that here in the United States, New York City. France has it. The Canadian provinces of Quebec and British Columbia have embraced vaccine passports. And, of course, the nuts in Australia are building these 
Well, they're not concentration camps, even though some people are calling them the COVID concentration camps is how Town Hall put it. They're literally doing this. If they're not out, you know, spraying rubber bullets at citizens who want to just leave the house for an hour or so and and spraying big hoses on people and, and having dogs attack them in the streets. Yeah, there's no police state problem here. Where's the discussion about natural immunity? They don't want to talk about that. Going back to the story, vaccine passports are morally dubious for many reasons, not the least of which is that freedom of movement is a basic human right. Yes, exactly. Even as Joe Biden is considering making interstate travel unlawful for people who haven't been vaccinated for COVID-19. See, this is important because they love having medical experts back them up, you know, medical experts like Fauci. Oh, wait a minute. He's not a medical expert. And Rochelle Walensky thinks that babies come from pregnant people, not women. These people, and she's a doctor. So, you know, this is all just politics. But here, Harvard Medical School professor Martin Kuldorf said research showing that natural immunity offers exponentially more protection than vaccines means vaccine passports are both unscientific and discriminatory since they disproportionately affect working class individuals. He said on Twitter, prior COVID disease, many working class provides better immunity than vaccines, many professionals. So vaccine mandates are not only scientific nonsense, they are also discriminatory and unethical. I give him a chance of being banned from Twitter in three, two, one. Oh, he's gone. Meanwhile, you have in Illinois, a mom losing custody over her vaccination status. I'm I'm doing this to make the contrast. A Chicago mother, this is from the Washington Free Beacon, lost custody of her 11-year-old son because of her COVID-19 vaccination status, apparently the first ruling of its kind. It's being appealed. Cook County Judge James Shapiro asked Rebecca Furlitt in a virtual child support hearing whether she was vaccinated. And when she said she wasn't, he stripped her of her parental custody. And the irony is the father wasn't even raising the issue. Of course, he's all in because they're divorced and they're fighting over their child. This is how nuts it's getting. At what point do the people rise up and say, you know, maybe those crowds in the street in Greece and France and Australia, maybe these people understand something that Americans have yet to understand? Because I don't see gigantic crowds in the streets in the United States. Uh, Granted, we're not as locked down as some of these places are. Canada, for one. Australia is the worst. New Zealand, those people are off the rails. So this brings me to what's going on with the military. And this is quite significant. The military has been in the news quite a bit, obviously, because of what's going on in Afghanistan. But I want to play for you to go back. This was a few days ago when the Pentagon had this press conference and the Pentagon spokesman, John Kirby, talked about the fact that the COVID-19 vaccine is going to be required of our military. I want you to listen to how this went. This is cut one. Uh, Communicated to the military departments is to execute this mandatory vaccination program with the obviously skill and professionalism, which we always do, but also with a measure of compassion. And so for uh, a member who um, still objects, now obviously there's, you, you, can, you can ask for an exemption on religious grounds, uh, and you certainly could be exempt if you have a pre-existing condition that your doctor advises you not to get it, obviously. But if it's an objection outside those two f- frameworks, uh, the individual will uh, be offered uh, a chance to sit down with a physician 
and have that physician communicate to them uh, the risks that they're taking by continuing to not want to take uh, the vaccine. Uh, they will also be offered a chance to sit down with their chain of command and their leadership to talk about the risks that their objection uh, will impose on the unit and on the force and on their teammates. Um, and the point is, uh, Court, that uh, the commanders have a wide range of tools available uh, to them to help their teammates make the right decision for themselves, for their families, and for their units. And we expect, and the Secretary expects, uh, that the commanders will use those tools short of having to use the UCMJ. If the, if the service member goes to the counseling, does not have a religious objection, and still objects and refuses to get the vaccine, the, the individual will go th will be start begin to be processed in UCMJ. The commanders have a wide range of tools available to them, short of using the UCMJ, and, and I and I think you know we're going to trust the commanders are going to are going to make the right decision going forward. So they'll get like an NJP, basically. Uh, court, I'm, I can't I can't give you a, uh, an exact answer to every hypothetical situation there are it, it is a man once you mandate once you mandate it as we've done it's a lawful order it's a lawful order um and we fully anticipate that uh that the, our troops are going to follow lawful orders you guys are a bunch of psychos i'm going to say that on behalf of the millions of americans who have not drunk the woke kool-aid and are not on board with a police state and still remember that god has given us freedom and god has given us our rights and you can't take them away on some level folks this has nothing to do with vaccines it doesn't because if it did have to do with our public health then you would see discussion, honest discussion about the benefits of natural immunity in people who have already had COVID-19. That would become a front and center issue. And reasonable people who would look at it would say, we're not going to require people who've already had COVID-19 and have in their systems high levels of antibodies that protect against COVID-19 when they have a better level of immunity than people who are vaccinated who have never contracted it. Nobody is having this discussion. And if you try to raise the issue, like, for example, this former New York Times writer, Alex Berenson, you get kicked off Twitter. He just got kicked off. He's been a very good source for a lot of people just raising questions about all of these changing things that the government is telling us today. Oh, you don't need masks. They don't do anything anyway. You must wear a mask. You know, it, Back and forth. Oh, we're going to lock you down to slow the spread. Hell, what do you mean? All these people have died of depression and committed suicide and people have died of cancer and heart conditions because they didn't want to overwhelm the hospitals that, by the way, weren't overwhelmed at that time in 2020. They keep changing the narratives. We're not allowed to discuss the fact that Fauci, according to Senator Paul, lied to Congress about his involvement in funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which we know led, wink, wink, nod, nod, we don't have total proof, to the coronavirus in the first place. I'm going to say this. We're still waiting for final confirmation on that. It could have happened, you know, in the local library in Wuhan. That's where it probably came from. But in any case... I want to tell you more about the military when we return.
From Affirm Films comes the Kendrick Brothers' Show Me the Father. The creators of War Room and Courageous take moviegoers on a cinematic journey that invites you to think differently about your earthly father and how you relate to God through five true stories. I'm stunned. He's real. He's really out there. This is really him. This is really him. Show Me the Father. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theater September 10th. More information is available at showmethefathermovie.com. When this young mom came to a preborn center, she was planning to have an abortion. But after receiving love and support and meeting her baby on ultrasound, she chose life. When I walked in for the ultrasound and I saw my baby and I heard his heartbeat, my mind changed completely. I couldn't do that to my baby. I have decided to keep it. Preborn partners with clinics in cities with the highest abortion rates in the country. Will you help preborn save these precious lives? When a mom in crisis sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life. And that's just the beginning of the story. I know that with support and with God by my side, I'll be able to do this, not just for me, but for my baby. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a pre-born banner to click at JanetMefford.com. If you're looking for adventure, serving as a volunteer on the Mercy Ship is an adventure like no other. And you'll be serving on the largest non-governmental hospital ship in the world, providing free care to some of the world's poorest people. Whether it's performing a surgery, cleaning the deck, or transporting a patient to a recovery center, every day you'll be making a difference in the lives of struggling people. Begin your adventure today. Connect with us at mercyships.org. It's an adventure of a lifetime. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. All right, so we know from the Pentagon spokesman that the Uniform Code of Military Justice might be what they turn to in order to go after these troops who don't want to abide by the vaccine mandate. I'm still trying to figure out how in the world they can mandate the COVID-19 vaccine, given all of the peculiarities of this particular situation. But Representative Matt Gates came out a couple of weeks back talking about this mandate. I thought he made an interesting point. This is cut to. We just got word that Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has ordered all members of the military vaccinated by September 15th. And what's so frustrating is that the lead Republican on the House Armed Services Committee, Mike Rogers, endorsed and went along with this decision. He noted that 70% of the military is vaccinated now, and he thinks that number should be 100%. Here's the problem. With the way they're hunting people over this like faux sense of extremism in the military and now this, it's almost like they're trying to drive out anybody who's capable of independent thought. Similarly, we don't know the long-term impacts of this vaccine on readiness on the human body. And the fact that we're forcing military families to take this vaccine before it goes through the normal process, that's deeply troubling to me. And I think Republicans should be fighting against this decision, not supporting it like Mike Rogers has. Well, now he makes an interesting point because there is more and more chatter in light of the Afghanistan debacle that perhaps this is a further purging of the people in the military whom the progressives don't want. We talked a lot about this during the Obama years when all the LGBT stuff was being shoved down everybody's throat. Now it's more of the woke intersectionality nonsense. But back then it was just rainbow flag on steroids nonstop. And a lot of us thought, I still think this, and I still think a lot of other Christians think this, 
that really what was the purpose of it all was they wanted to drive the Christians out of the military. Where are they going with this to control the military? What would they possibly do controlling the military? I don't know. It's a theory. It's not a fact until you can prove it. But even Representative Matt Gates has his questions. Now, I want to turn to a story that the New American did because this is very important. This was a story that just came out. Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky apparently had a conference call with a dozen armed service members to discuss this mandate for vaccines for COVID-19 in the military. And it was a very interesting story going into some of the details on what these service members had to say. Now, when I played that Pentagon spokesman cut that you heard just a moment ago, he was saying, oh, well, you know, for, for people who have religious exemptions, we'll grant those religious exemptions. And if you have some kind of legitimate, you know, objection, you know, we'll deal with that. And these service members say, baloney. That's not what is actually going on behind the scenes. Let me read to you some of what's going on. The sum and substance of the collective testimony from these troops was that the Biden administration has grossly misrepresented to the American people the facts concerning vaccine status of military personnel. And they say the administration is outright lying about any notion that they take freedom of religion and worship seriously. Here's what they say. Uh, The witness testimony seemed to suggest that the draconian mandates and pressure currently existing was to get actual vaccine rates to more closely match the 70 percent claim made by the administration, because that's what you just heard. Many of the witnesses predict that the rigid enforcement of the vaccine mandate will result in a huge loss of personnel to resignations and other adverse disciplinary action. Thus, in one incredibly miserable policy choice, Biden has managed to be anti-science, anti-religious freedom and create a national security crisis all at the same time. Oh, you know, he's really talented. A soldier identified as member 10 is a six-year veteran of the Air National Guard as a frontline healthcare worker. The science is ignored in favor of a vax everyone at all costs position, he reports. Superiors are aware of the fact that soldiers with prior exposure to COVID have a better immunity response than could be achieved with a vaccine, yet it simply does not matter. He laments the unnecessary risk of requiring the vaccine for people who have natural immunity already, especially when they have health indicators that suggest the vaccine is a risk. He said, I've personally witnessed fellow soldiers forced out because of health issues that prevented them from safely getting vaccinated. He says superiors would rather see experienced veterans quit if such action improved the vaccination percentages in their units. Another member has been on the military COVID response team for the past six months. The pressure from commanders to get people vaxxed is intense, this member said. Currently in the process of trying to obtain an exemption, this person has been frustrated throughout the process and reports that the harassment from commanders to abandon his exemption request is daily and miserable. Member nine is a captain in the Air Force and an experienced decorated pilot who said, I began the religious exemption process months ago. He noted it's not yet fully adjudicated. The officers in charge of the process are yes men, he said, that only want to protect their own careers. This Air Force officer's one squeaky clean service record has been irreparably damaged. His future assignments have been canceled. He has been taken off the flight line, has been issued three letters of reprimand, and has been cited and suspended for a refusal to follow command, all while his paperwork for an exemption is still pending. The Air Force has invested millions of dollars in training this pilot, who is currently sitting at home all day long, answering the occasional email. Religious exemption, huh? Sure. You think the woke military cares if you're a Christian or not? 
oh, they care, but not in the right way. Here's another one. Member four is a U.S. Army captain with over 10 years experience and describes himself as a Christian patriot who joined the military out of a sheer love of country. I put forward my religious accommodation request in December 2020. I had the full support of my command structure. My request was denied by the Surgeon General of the Army without any reason given. This Army veteran went on to describe the horrific, miserable, and stressful harassment he has endured during the appeals process, which is still pending, currently with the Secretary of the Army, and said, I am going to fight this in federal court if I need to. Praise the Lord. Somebody needs to. Member four feels there has been significant dishonesty on the part of superiors regarding the ruling upon his religious exemption request. Oh, and this is another nice little addendum. In corroborating many of the experiences shared by other members on the call, an enlisted nation man recalled an officer telling him, you are the reason your mom and dad are going to die. Well, if you want to drive people out of the military, you're doing a fantastic job, guys. Enjoy your wokeness. I don't know how you're going to defeat China. Not, you won't defeat China. I mean, th- this is the whole thing. We were talking about this again a few years back with Obama. He wants the best and the brightest and the most capable and the most patriotic Americans driven out of the military because those are the people he despises. And I don't mind saying it that bluntly because that's what I think. And I think many people think that way. He did not hold back his disdain for wonderful, ordinary, patriotic, hardworking Americans who just don't get on the commie train with him. So there you have it. There's there's where we are. Here's a quote, actually, from one of the veterans who was part of this recent white coat summit. I believe this was with America's frontline doctors. This is what this veteran had to say about this mandate. This is cut three. I followed orders and I didn't question them. And now the military is being targeted and told, line up and get that shot. It's an order. And it's wrong. It violates the Nuremberg Code because they're not being informed how this can harm them. And I won't go into all those stories I've heard about soldiers being harmed, but how does that impact us? We have the greatest warriors in the world, and we're impacting readiness because these people will not be able to fight if they have brain tumors, myocarditis, lethargia, all kinds of other problems because they're not being told and they're just, they believe, hey, it's an order, I have to follow it. Well, this is the problem. That's why I was encouraged to see that member who said, I'm going to fight it in court. You can fight stuff in court. Other military members fought a lot over the rainbow stuff, rainbow flag stuff under Obama, and some of them won. So yes, you absolutely should exercise your rights as an American and fight back. But, you know, again, you have a problem with morale in the military from good people who are in the military because of what these ridiculous military leaders have done in Afghanistan, which now they say it's over. Everybody's out, at least, you know, most of them or, you know, portion of them or everybody who wanted out, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure we'll find out a lot more as things roll along. But I don't believe every American is out. There's no way. I don't believe every American is out. And what about the Christians behind the front lines? What about the Christians who need rescuing? And apparently there's some efforts underway to try to get the Christians out because they don't care about the Christians. We're we're right back where we were, aren't we? Under Obama. Well, why not? His VP is the guy in charge now. Well, actually, I think it's Nancy Pelosi. But mm, anyway, when you go to the VAERS website about adverse events, which we discussed a few days ago, 
Of course, there are all kinds of concerns about the vaccine. And, you know, going back to the swine flu vaccine in 1976, there were billions of dollars that went out to people who were injured by that swine flu vaccine that was rushed out. And you can go back. I don't have time to play the clip. I'll hang on to it for another day. But you have 167 preliminary reports of Guillain-Barre syndrome, and that was a problem with the H1N1 flu virus back in 1976. You've got this myocarditis and pericarditis, 1,339 reports of these issues among people ages 30 and younger who received the COVID-19 vaccine. So do the military members really have all the info they need? Go online, I guess. But God bless them. Thanks for joining us. We've got to end it here, but we'll be back again next time, Lord willing. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you then.